0: Welcome, and let's first talk compliance. I'm Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. This show is brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance as part of our commitment to provide high quality complimentary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States please show your support by taking a moment to provide a review on Google, Facebook, or iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. On today's episode, we are speaking with Bob Chaput, founder and executive chairman of the Board of Clearwater, a provider of healthcare compliance and cyber risk management software and consulting services, on the topic of Healthcare's enterprise cyber risk management imperative. Healthcare organizations continue to see escalating numbers of cyber attacks. It is no longer a matter of if your organization will be targeted, but when. What is at stake? Everything. Patient lives are at risk when their medical record data is changed by hacker or encrypted by ransomware attack. The confidentiality of patient information is at risk, as is evident from hundreds of data breaches that make headlines every year. The financial well-being of your organization is at risk, not only from regulatory fines and penalties, but also from legal fees, settlements, and the damage to your organization's reputation. In his new book, Stop the Cyber Bleeding, cyber risk management expert Bob Shaput cuts through the jargon to provide timely and practical cyber risk management guidance for healthcare organization leaders. During this episode, he will share some of the key insights from the book and discuss how to establish, implement, and mature an enterprise cyber risk management program. Today, we will work to understand that cyber attacks have become not just a compliance and information security matter for healthcare organizations, but also a patient safety concern and likely soon a medical professional liability concern as well. Articulate the relationship between confidentiality, integrity, and availability of healthcare data, systems, and devices, and core healthcare tenants of access to care, quality care, and timely care discover ways in which you can better engage senior leaders in the effort to build an enterprise cyber risk management program. Before we begin, I would like to mention at First Healthcare Compliance, we strive to serve as a trusted resource for compliance professionals, and every month we celebrate their hard work and dedication with our compliance Super Ninja recognition. For this episode, we're spotlighting Super Ninja Jessica Byrd, business manager at Wayne Radiologists. Congratulations, Jessica. Our team is honored to have the privilege of working with you. So, hello, Bob. Thank you so much for joining me today on First Talk Compliance.
1: Well, good day to you, uh, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, allow me to extend my congratulations to Jessica as well, being a super ninja.
0: So, Bob, can you tell me what is the significance of your book's title, Stop the Cyber Bleeding?
1: The bleeding to which I'm referring is the pain, the loss, the harm our patients are experiencing as an unintended consequence of this massive digitization we've had underway of our healthcare industry. With the digitization, easy for me to say, we've created all kinds of new ways to create loss or harm. For example, um, Think about the millions of records, uh, quote, unquote, bleeding out of the healthcare system as a result of uh, the hacking that's underway. And these are so-called compromises of confidentiality. Uh, think about the millions of records that have been locked up with ransomware, disrupting provider and hospital delivery of care, including uh, a disruption of chemotherapy at uh, University of Vermont Medical Center. These are so-called compromises of availability. And then last but not least, think about the unknown, I'll say, potential number of cases where important data has been deleted or modified, resulting in lower quality of care, if not death. So-called compromises of integrity. As an example, a further example, I opened the book with a chapter called When Something Cyber Happens and discuss an attack involving uh, modifying CT scan images, uh, speaking of radiology, and uh, causing a missed cancer diagnosis, all of which has been demonstrated and documented at research out of Ben-Gurion University. These are the kinds of things that I'm referring to when I use the phrase cyber bleeding.
0: Okay, your book focuses on the need for healthcare sector entities to implement an effective Enterprise Cyber Risk Management Program. What are the key differences between an effective ECRM program and a not so effective security risk management program based on what you see among healthcare sector entities?
1: I'll I'll preface my response by saying, um, putting forth the notion that we have a, I think, a good view uh, in Uh, all parts of the healthcare ecosystem, uh, including large hospitals and health systems, integrated delivery networks, a lot of their supply chain, um, some unusual uh, organizations that we've worked with that uh, uh, is information available in the public domain. I'm not revealing any state secrets, including uh, Uber uh, and Lyft. So we, we have a unique view of this. So let me focus on three differences between the effective programs, and the not-so-effective programs. Number one is the context in which the organization views ECRM. Once again, Enterprise Cyber Risk Management. We see many organizations that are operating in this tactical, technical, reactionary, spot-welding mode. And we see a growing number of organizations that are taking a more strategic and business oriented and architectural approach. They're recognizing that it's a business risk management issue. And I'll say parenthetically, if not a personal liability risk management issue that has begun to emerge in some derivative lawsuits. Um, And they're also taking the view that if they're going to invest in this area, ECRM, it must be aligned with their unique vision and mission and strategy and values. I call all of that context. Those are That's an important part of, quote, unquote, getting it. The second difference that I'll cite is how the organization approaches this matter. Some approach it from a risk basis. Some approach it from a checklist basis. What do I mean by that? Some organizations feel that in order to make wise, intelligent decisions as to how they're going to allocate operating expense, capital expense, human resources, they first need to understand what their unique exposures are. And they do that by completing what I'll call an OCR, Office for Civil Rights, quality risk analysis. Other organizations think, well, if I go online and Google uh, the best security checklist in the world, uh, and there are a myriad <laughs> of so-called checklists that, that they're gonna solve the problem that way. Uh, they end up using someone else's checklist. And the upshot is that they're overspending in many areas and underspending where they have real risk. And the third uh, difference that I'll cite is, I'll call it the, the temporal <laughs> nature with which an organization views this work. Uh, as said differently, organizations uh, adopting either a project view, it's going to have a start date and an end date, and boy, we're going to be able to clap our hands and have cake and coffee and declare victory, or a more programmatic view. So um, I know I was talking to a chief compliance officer at a large Midwest health system, one of our clients, and uh, and she reported to me that her CEO said, when is this thing going to be over? And (laughs) this thing was referring to their efforts to do an OCR quality risk analysis. And the point is, it's not going to be over. You can't look at this as project, start date, end date, et cetera, et cetera. You need to treat it as a transformational program. That is something that's going to transcend time. It's going to involve Core capabilities like governance and getting the people right, getting the processes right, engaging and using appropriate technology, and ensuring the engagement of business leaders and lines of business and process leaders as well as functional owners. All of these things, governance, people, process, technology, and engagement are key capabilities of any transformation project, not just ECRM.
0: Continuing with that, actually, based on what you see on the cyber threat landscape today, and based on the enterprise cyber risk management posture you see at many healthcare sector entities, what are your biggest worries and what should these entities be most worried about?
1: I'll give you two worries. Um, And I'm going to sort of zoom out and and try to take and paint the big picture here. Organizations really need to think about a long game and a short game. Obviously, some of the attacks that we've already talked about, you've got to deal with those things. And that's obviously part of the short game. Longer game is the material and the content uh, and the agenda of the C-suite and the board. So I'm going to take this question, my worries from the perspective of what do I worry about when I think about the C-suite and board. My number one worry is that the C-suite and boards are falling into the trap of believing that this subject matter is too technical to manage. Um, It's not. Uh, I remember 25 years ago, I'm dating myself a little bit, as organizations in all industries were, you know, Embracing technology uh, with like gangbusters. I remember helping executives struggling to manage IT because they thought IT overall was too technical. It's not. We need to get over it in the same way when it comes to enterprise cyber risk management. And the key thing that I encourage board members and the C-suite executives to think about is that their role is to become an ECRM enabler not necessarily an ACRM expert. My second biggest worry is healthcare organizations lack of flexibility and adaptability to change along with all of the changes that are recurring internal and external in the cyber landscape today. This, um, this lack of flexibility and adaptability is exacerbated when organizations take a checklist approach versus a risk-based approach along the lines we just spoke a moment ago. Let me give you a close to home example, uh, pretty contemporary. Just think for a moment about the unprecedented changes that the pandemic has driven in healthcare in terms of telehealth models being uh, uh, spawned and sprouted, in terms of telework, in terms of more home monitoring devices. All of these and many other changes have led to new so-called assets think about systems devices data new attack services new threats new vulnerabilities and how has that manifested itself healthcare has been a big target for even more phishing attacks more ransomware attacks more hacking events organizations that had real ecrm programs in place pivoted quickly they updated their risk analyses to consider their new assets to consider the new emerging threats, to consider new weaknesses that they may not have discovered before, and to implement overall risk management once they pivoted and quickly updated their risk analysis. The organizations that were using checklists were Googling away, looking for the next one-size-fits-all list of things to do during a pandemic like that exist. So that second worry about flexibility and adaptability really gets flattened when one stands up, establishes, implements, and focuses on maturing their enterprise cyber risk management program.
0: It's so true. So you write in your book that there really isn't a one-size-fits-all ECRM program that works for every healthcare organization because each has unique traits and needs. With that said, what's your top advice for how the most cyber mature healthcare sector organizations can improve their ECRMs?
1: That's a a great question. What I love about it is that it highlights the fact that even the so-called mature organization can and must improve uh, and as we said a moment ago, no one has this figured all out. Um, think about, as I mentioned, FireEye, Think about solar winds. Think about all the government agencies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all about ongoing maturity. These threats are not going away. So here's my top advice. Number one, um, recognize that you must take the long view and think about. Those three words I used a moment ago, establishing, implementing, and maturing your program. Uh, As you may recall, I'm a huge fan of the overall NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology approach, embodied in a huge compendium of readily available and free resources, which I discuss in the book. Uh, Number two, be sure to treat ECRM as a business risk management issue not solely an IT issue, not a compliance issue, not a privacy issue, not solely a legal matter. Make it a team sport. Connect the dots, the dots between confidentiality, integrity, and availability to some core tenets of healthcare, like quality and safe care, access to care, and timely care. And then number three, start with alignment. Don't adopt a one-size-fits-all checklist. Your organization's vision, mission, strategy, values, and services should drive your ECRM program. As uh, others wiser than I have said, if you've seen one hospital, you've seen one hospital. You can't think that hospital A, hospital B, and hospital C have exactly the same vision, mission, strategy, values, and services, and I will therefore conclude They shouldn't have the same ECRM program. You've gotta really understand your unique requirements. Every business is different. And then finally, um, number four, I may have lied and said I was gonna give you three (laughs) thoughts, but I'll give you four. Prioritize everything. This is a journey, not a destination. I have seen organizations who have methodically gone about establishing and implementing and maturing over five and six years, you've got to start somewhere. And the matter of prioritizing everything uh, uh, gets to the matter that not everyone has the same vision, mission, services, et cetera. Therefore, they don't have the same crown jewels. As a former national security advisor, George Bundy observed, if we guard our toothbrushes and our diamonds with equal zeal, we'll lose fewer toothbrushes and more diamonds. So those would be the uh, the recommendations that I would make.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance as part of our commitment to provide high quality complementary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States. My guest today is Bob Shaput, founder and executive chairman of the board of Clearwater on the topic of Healthcare's enterprise cyber risk management imperative. Please show your support by taking a few minutes to provide a review of FIRST Healthcare Compliance on Google or Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. So, Bob, what does an appropriate maturity model for an enterprise cyber risk management program look like?
1: Well, for me, it it gets back to uh, the nature of the task at hand. Uh, Enterprise cyber risk management is not a program, not a project, as I mentioned earlier, it's a transformational business program, uh, equally as important as the digitization of healthcare we've had underway for the past 10 years. And like any major change management program or transformational initiative, I always think from a business point of view about five core capabilities. One is around governance, ensuring that there's appropriate oversight and leadership in place. The second key core capability is around people, having the right number number of people with the right skill sets in place. The third is around process, which gets into policies, procedures, practices. The fourth is around technology that's going to be used to Uh, uh, to uh, implement this particular uh, uh, transformational initiative. And the last is around engagement. This is the matter of ensuring your uh, functional leaders and your process owners really take ownership. I would assess practices in each of those five areas, governance, people, process, technology, and engagement. Uh, I'm sure there are other models out there but um, I would just be cautious to not let the maturity model become a controls assessment or a controls arms race. Uh, that really doesn't get at program maturity.
0: And how does a large, fast moving enterprise like a healthcare system acquire and maintain a handle on all of its potential cyber risks? There's so many.
1: It's a huge job. Um, uh, as I think I mentioned earlier, and, um, and you've got to start somewhere. Um, this is a matter of doing an OCR quality risk analysis. <clears throat> the Office, Office for Civil Rights has been unequivocal in communicating that organizations need to understand all the potential risk to the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of all the electronic protected health health information and data and devices that support uh, that information. Been very, very clear about it. So first, a couple of don'ts. Don't allow it to be an IT project. I may sound like a broken record here. Make it a team sport, require business ownership of all the data and systems and devices. And don't use, my second don't, don't use a one size fits all checklist. Some of the do's, Uh, treat it like any other business transformational project we spoke about a moment ago. Commit to understand what the real requirements are for an OCR quality risk analysis. Uh, Number three, recognize that it's going to take time for a large health system. Remember, everything must be prioritized starting with your so-called crown jewels, those most critical information assets. And then number four, Hold the line of business, process, and functional leaders responsible. As a uh, CIO, at a certain point in my career, I communicated to the business leaders, there is no such thing as an IT project. Everything that we do is being done on behalf of the business. In fact, I renamed my organization BT, business technology, rather than IT, to communicate exactly that fundamental thought. And I would suggest similarly, all of these information assets and the risks associated therewith ought to be owned by those business leaders I just mentioned.
0: Securing necessary funding for cybersecurity programs continues to be a major challenge for senior IT and information security leaders in healthcare. What recommendations do you have for engaging the CFO's office specifically and also perhaps the board?
1: Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I, I feel the pain. I have been there uh, and understand that question very well. So um, I'll start with, <clears throat> let's begin by talking money. <laughs> uh, seeing as I will, will focus on the CFO for a moment and uh, perhaps the chief risk officer. Um, let's have a conversation with the CFO about the possibility of lowering our cost of capital. The three major uh, credit rating agencies, uh, Standard & Poor's, uh, Moody's, and Fitch, all now factor cyber risk into a determination of an organization's credit risk. One's credit risk rating is going to be a determinator of what your cost of capital is going to be. All healthcare organizations need capital to grow and expand and acquire the next uh, CT scanner or MRI machine, whatever that may be. So there's a very real conversation that can happen here. And I think that's very relatable to the CFO. Another one related to the CFO and chief risk officer is around insurance premiums. partner with your CFO, your chief risk officer, uh, perhaps your CIO, your insurance broker, and have a real serious look at your executive liability insurance portfolio. A number of uh, our customers have done exactly that and derive numerous financial benefits, including increasing their coverage and or lowering their insurance premiums. These are meaningful ways um, to uh, engage with the CFO. And then the last area, most large health systems, in fact, even smaller organizations, have established their own so-called captive insurance program. And we have worked with organizations that have gone to their captive insurance program and have sought grant money from the program to help, um, to help understand what their exposures are. One of the largest captive insurers is a company called Crico, Consolidated Risk Insurance Company. And this is the, I'll call it the in-house insurance organization that covers all of the hospitals and the uh, clinicians in the Harvard system. A few years back, they provided about $2 million in grant money to six of their member organizations to help jumpstart their ECRM program. And it ties back to the very first question and what they did uh, to jumpstart the program was to go out and conduct OCR quality risk analysis. So it ties back to the very first point about understanding cyber risk. These three things, cost of capital, insurance premiums, captive insurance programs, those are areas where we can begin to look at funding in ways that are a little bit more creative than just struggling through the annual budget process.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much. I wanted to thank you for being here today. and. I wanted to ask you, do you have any other, any other thoughts or any other advice that you wanted to, to offer to us? Well,
1: I guess if you'll allow me, Catherine, I'll, uh, I'll put forth an unabashed and unashamed uh, uh, recommendation. If you're looking for a playbook, um, please give some consideration to my book, Stop the Cyber Bleeding, What Healthcare Executives and Board Members Must Know About Enterprise Cyber Risk Management. Uh, The book itself, among numerous resources I provide, may be helpful to you. So uh, that would be my ask and uh, and my last thoughts. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to work with you today.
0: Thank you so much. And and I would definitely recommend to our listeners to please check out your book. And you can find that on Amazon. So please um, check out Stop the Cyber Bleeding. By Bob Chaput. Thank you again so much for being here, and thanks to our audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. You can learn more about our show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com, and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at Catherine Short at firsthcc.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.